Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Even though our Daily Bread Employment Center's flow of donated casseroles has dwindled over the last few months and it had to suspend the use of volunteers, the Catholic Charities-run outreach has kept up with a substantial increase in demand for meals during the coronavirus pandemic. Lee Martin, Program Director, tells us how the Soup Kitchen and Employment Center is continuing to serve the Baltimore area's poor and homeless. Later in the show, Father Colin Poston will explain how Catholics can experience a spiritual communion when they can't receive Holy Communion at Mass. But first, here's our interview with Lee Martin of Our Daily Bread. Lee Martin, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thank you, George. Great to have you. So I I know Our Daily Bread has seen a, a big surge in the number of people coming to you for help since the coronavirus pandemic struck. Could you tell us what kind of numbers you're seeing today and how that compared to prior to the pandemic? Sure. Since the pandemic has started, George, we're seeing about a 25% increase in our lunch numbers. Um, on a daily basis, we're still being, serving over 1,000 individuals for both breakfast and lunch. Wow. And how are you accommodating those people? So we've been able to um, convert to a grab-and-go process where the individuals come in and practice social distancing um, to get their lunch each morning, um, their breakfast each morning, and their lunch each afternoon. So how does that work? Could you walk our listeners through that? Uh, people would arrive for help, and then do they, they stand in line, and then do they go in one by one, or, or how does that work? Sure. So each afternoon or at 1030, we begin our lunch program, and we have designated marking spaces um, on our area outside of the building um, so they can practice social distancing. And they come in the building one by one and get their, their meal and then leave back out. Mm-hmm. And normally, uh, in normal times, you would get parishes to assist in this process. You would, I understand you would have 3,500 casseroles that the uh, parishioners around the archdiocese would prepare. How did you deal with that cutoff when uh, people could no longer make the casseroles? What did you do to, to adjust to that? Sure. So when masses were canceled, um, that really put a strain on our donations of casseroles that we got in. And that's basically based on the, the process where the individuals, the parishioners would come to mass and get their supplies needed to help make the casseroles and then bring them back to the church. And the church would then bring them to us. Um, so that really put a strain on our donation process and our casserole process. So we, what we did is we started to develop a new donor base of some other individuals that started to pitch in as well as we started to buy the ingredients to make the casseroles ourselves. That allowed mm-hmm. us to sustain. But since then, uh, the parishes have found a way um, for the parishioners to get their supplies, and those donations are starting to come back in as well. So the staff there at Our Daily Bread has really had to step up in terms of making up for what volunteers would do as well, because normally you would have volunteers that help out in serving the meals. Is that right? Sure. So each day we normally have 45 volunteers to help us to do our meal program and to help us to serve the lunch. 
and that's a really important factor because the, the individuals that we serve really look towards that each day in, in the manner in which we serve. So what we had to do at our Daily Bread Employment Center was to redeploy uh, other employees from other departments to help us to serve this on a daily basis. So now we have about 15 staff from our Daily Bread Employment Center to help to pull off the grab-and-go uh, meal program. What kind of pressure is that put on you to scramble like that, to try to redeploy people and then come up with new solutions for serving people? Sure. It was really tough in the beginning to come up with a plan, but we were able to initiate a really effective plan, and that plan is working very well right now. And you recently received a donation from the Knights of Columbus as well, that $50,000. How would that be used? Sure. That, so that's really going to help us with buying additional supplies um, as well as to help with the staffing um, to allow us to continue the meal program each day. Mm-hmm. One of the components of your work at Our Daily Bread is the, the whole job readiness part of, of what you do. I, a lot of people might not be aware of the different programs you have for workplace employment, getting people ready to get jobs or, or helping them find jobs. Have those services been interrupted, or have you been able to continue some of that? So I'm glad that you mentioned that, George, because um, our Daily Bread Employment Center is really more than just a meal program, and we do offer those job readiness and work for success training programs to help individuals to find employment each day. Uh, the Work for Success program has been put on hold at this current time, um, but we do continue to uh, um, remotely assist individuals with job placement as well as case management services during this time. You have a hotline coming up, and that's going to be – that's already live? Sure. Um, so what this will do is allow individuals that need to apply for public benefits, such as SNAP, um, which is really assistance with food, um, to apply, and, and we can process those applications remotely for those individuals. And that number is 667-600-2291. Once again, our SNAP expansion hotline number is 667-600-2291. Have you had a chance to talk to some of the clients you serve or get a sense of, of how they're dealing with all the stresses? These are people that are they're dealing with stress every day, even prior to the pandemic, and now now they've got these added burdens of, of economic hardship or, or just worrying about preventing themselves from getting ill or, or finding food each day. What's the sense of, of the people you serve? What my managers have told me, George, is that um, there is a sense of fear amongst the homeless population and those that are suffering from poverty, um, and that's typical as well, but it, it's an increased alert at among that population as right now. But they are very grateful that Catholic Charities and our Daily Bread Employment Center is continuing their meal program, which is allowing them to get a balanced nutritional meal for their lunch and breakfast each day. What is Catholic Charities doing to try to protect the employees? So each employee um, is required to wear masks during um, their work shift right now, and we're also practicing social distancing um, in all of our work areas throughout the building. Our Christopher Place program, which is a 60-man transitional program for men, um, continues to fully operate, and those individuals are also practicing social distancing as well as wearing masks while they're in the building. Mm-hmm. What kind of impact has all this had on you personally? This has been very challenging for me in my personal career, George. I, I've never experienced cri- a crisis in which we just don't really know where the end is going to be. Um, so developing plans and protocols to put in place has been a very challenging. We'd get all the way through a plan, and then new guidance would come through. 
and then we'd have to change the plan. But I think at this point we really have some effective planning and protocols in place to allow us to continue to serve those in need in Baltimore City. And, and our Daily Bread has a really remarkable streak going as well. Could, could you tell us about that? We're coming up on 39 straight years of, of service of never missing a meal program. And, and um, thanks to generous donors as well as dedicated staff, um, we've been able to keep that streak continuing to go. And that's been through all kinds of storms and blizzards and everything. You, you, you've never missed a day. Yeah, it really is a remarkable streak, giving um, um, Snowmageddon that we went through in 2009 and various hurricanes and various storms. Um, but, the, again, those storms and those things, we, we were able to see the end. What makes this very difficult is that we just don't know when this will end. But we still feel that we have effective protocols and, and planning in place to allow us to continue to serve those in Baltimore. And part of what you do with your meal program also involves the Weinberg Housing and Resource Center, which is across the street from our Daily Bread. Could you tell us about that? Sure, that is correct. Um, Kathy Charities also operates uh, the Weinberg Housing and Resource Center, which is Baltimore City's largest homeless shelter, um, which is under the Mayor's Office of Homeless Services. So we are continuing to provide their lunch for them each day as well. That's great. And what can people do to help if, if they want to make a donation or, or volunteer in some way? Are, are there ways that they can help you? Sure. So we are still in need of cash roll donations as, as each day as well as we're looking for PPE equipment such as masks. And they can go on the Catholic Charities website, Catholic Charities Baltimore website, to find that information on how they can help to donate uh, to our Daily Bread Employment Center as well as Catholic Charities. Lee Martin of Our Daily Bread, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Okay, thank you, George, and thank you for all your support. Our guest has been Lee Martin, Program Director for Our Daily Bread Employment Center in Baltimore. If you'd like more information about how to support Our Daily Bread and other programs of Catholic Charities, visit catholiccharities-md.org. Again, that's catholiccharities-md.org. When we come back, we'll talk to Father Colin Poston, pastor of St. Anthony Shrine in Emmitsburg and Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Thurmont, about the practice of spiritual communion. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We'll be back in a moment. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Jesuit Father Francis Moan, a Baltimore native who became headmaster at his alma mater, Loyola Blakefield, and later tirelessly worked to improve the lives of refugees in America, died April 17th from complications of COVID-19, according to his family. He was 93. John Stewart, the former dean of students at Loyola Blakefield, worked under Father Moan from 1971 to 1974 while overseeing academics at the private Catholic high school in Towson. Stewart said Father Moan worked to restore Jesuit traditions and academic rigor following experimental approaches to education by previous administrations. A graduate of the class of 1945, Father Moan worked to make Luella Blakefield more like it was when he was a student. Father Moan pretty much brought it back as a more traditional Jesuit education with a strong focus on academics, Stewart said. He was a very intelligent man, very forthright man, and a very good man to work for. The youngest of 11 children, Father Moon was born on February 19, 1927, in the Hamilton neighborhood of Baltimore City, 
where he attended St. Dominic Elementary School. After high school, he entered the priesthood at the novitiate of St. Isaac Jogue in Pennsylvania. He was ordained in 1957 at Woodstock College, a former Jesuit seminary in Howard County, and celebrated his first Mass at Immaculate Heart of Mary in Bainesville. He received a bachelor's degree in English from Spring Hill College in Alabama and sacred theology from Woodstock College. Father Moan later earned a doctorate in education from Columbia University in New York. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has launched a page on its website for people throughout the Archdiocese to memorialize loved ones who have died of COVID-19 and to offer the prayers and support of the entire Catholic community. The page, which can be accessed at archbalt.org, allows people to upload a photo along with the name and other information about the deceased. Archbishop William E. Laurie said he prays the memorial page will allow people to express their prayerful love and support in a way that is safe, but is also very meaningful to those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Pope Francis has agreed with a recommendation by the Dicastery for Laity, the Family, and Life to postpone by one year the next gatherings of the World Meeting of Families and World Youth Day. According to the Vatican, global health concerns surrounding large gatherings will push back the World Meeting of Families in Rome until 2022 and World Youth Day in Lisbon, Portugal until August 2023. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to The Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. What can Catholics do when they can't receive communion at Mass? 
Here to tell us about the act of spiritual communion is the pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Thurmont and St. Anthony Shrine in Emmitsburg, Father Colin Poston. Father Colin Poston, welcome to Catholic Baltimore. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks, George. This has been such a difficult time for Catholics with not having the opportunity to receive Holy Communion at Mass. For our non-Catholic listeners out there, could you explain the significance of the Eucharist to Catholics? What do Catholics believe the Eucharist is? Yes, so Catholics believe that the Eucharist communion uh, is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, his risen body and blood, soul and divinity. Um, And so we believe that when we receive communion, we are actually receiving him sacramentally into our own bodies. And at every Mass, we celebrate this Eucharist. And the word Eucharist actually literally means Thanksgiving. So uh, basically, we believe as Catholics that by receiving communion, it helps us to be more and more like Jesus Christ himself, and that we can take his love out of the church doors uh, into the world. It's um, because of what we're going through in these times, it's been very difficult for Catholics who love to receive the Eucharist and and not being able to do that, it's been very very challenging for for many of them. The church does have an an ancient practice called the act of spiritual communion, which a lot of people are doing now. Could you tell our listeners what that means? Uh, what what is an act of spiritual communion? Yes, so an act of spiritual communion is uh, a prayer that one can pray when they're not able to be at Mass or cannot receive communion. Um, a lot of persons who are homebound or maybe in a hospital or a nursing home develop this practice. So basically it's a prayer to Jesus, kind of inviting him into uh, our hearts and souls since we cannot partake of communion in a physical sense. Uh, we can always invite him in spiritually and ask him to be present to us in that moment. You actually had some friends in the military who were separated from the sacraments for a long time, and and they relied on this. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I I mean, I've known over time different um, Catholics who have served in the military, and they um, have adopted this practice because a lot of times, for as people in the military know well, uh, a lot of times there aren't, there is an access to chaplains um, and particularly not to, um, you know, weekly mass. So um, for them, for many of them, praying a prayer like the the act of spiritual communion is very valuable because it's a way of, um, again, being reminded of the Eucharist and um, inviting Jesus spiritually to be present to them, you know, in their time of need. And what is involved in saying the prayer? Is it mainly just having a sincere heart in saying the prayer? Or, or what does one do to to make this act of spiritual communion? Yes. So, so basically, um, it's an invitation, a sincere prayer to Jesus himself, saying that we believe that he is present in the Eucharist, his body and blood to us. We, we remind um, ourselves of this reality, and then express our love to him in a sincere way, and then we basically invite him to come into our hearts. 
and ask him not to um, be separated from us. And there are several different versions of the prayer. Probably the most famous is from St. Alphonsus Liguori, the founder of the Redemptorist, but I know there are other versions of it. Does it matter specifically what words you say? Well, um, I have a version here that I can pray here in a moment. Um, so, but, but basically, the St. Alphonsus Liguori one is a very beautiful one, but they're very similar in spirit in the sense that it's an invitation for the Lord to come into our hearts and souls you know, in that moment. And so, so it's, it's actually a very, very beautiful prayer. And how does your parish use this act of spiritual communion? So we have been doing a combination of live stream masses and recorded masses for the remainder of this time until everything gets back to normal again. We're going to be doing recorded masses, which we were, we've been recording Saturday night vigil masses for Sunday and then posting them on our parish website which, by the way, is www.sasolmc.org. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's at St. Anthony Shrine in Our Lady of Mount Carmel out here in Emmitsburg and Thurmont. But so what I've been doing is when we've celebrated these masses, obviously there's only about five people present, you know, socially distanced from each other. But um, but I actually, after I receive communion, you know, I receive the host, and then receive the cup and the precious blood, then I pray that prayer aloud, the act of spiritual communion, and invite people watching at home to do the same. And so I'll just, I'll just pray it at that moment and read it. So it's, um, I think it's really, really very helpful for people. Are there other times during the day when people could say this prayer? Yes. Um, I mean, you can, really, you can pray it at any time. Some people might want to pray it when they get up in the morning or perhaps maybe pray it at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, marking the hour that Jesus died on the cross. Um, But, yeah, it can really be prayed at at any time. Uh, Maybe if someone, you know, were going to go to the 8 a.m. Mass at your church, (laughs) uh, you could, you know, pray it at that moment, you know, since you can't can't receive the Eucharist these days. So, um, yeah, but it's a beautiful prayer that can be prayed at any any time. Would you say the prayer for us? Sure, sure. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come, at least spiritually, into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Colin Poston, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Thank you again, George. Please know that as a priest, as I celebrate the Eucharist myself privately, that I'm praying for all the people near the Diocese of Baltimore, all the faithful, and also those who are suffering with the illness and through the pandemic. And just uh, know that your priests are praying, praying for you all, and prayers are still uh, faithfully going going up. So, so thank you. Thank you, Father. And I know a lot of people are praying for their priests at this time as well. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Our guest this segment has been Father Colin Poston, pastor of St. Anthony Shrine in Emmitsburg and Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Thurmont. For a copy of the Spiritual Act of Communion Prayer, visit archbalt.org slash coronavirus and click on the prayer tab at the top of the page. Again, that's archbalt.org slash coronavirus and click on the prayer tab. There are also many other pastoral resources, news links, videos, and much more on that page. So be sure to check that out again at archbalt.org slash coronavirus. You've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.